And I felt like, oh, you know, the poor Kens that all the right wingers are. I thought the Kens like, like, I didn't think they were harsh enough, man. I mean, well, it's like your job is beach. Your job is beach. Like, yeah. How bad is that? that. Go, go with that. Uh, Go with beach, man. I would be so thrilled if my job was beach. Like. Hi, I'm Maya Grants. And I'm Rebecca Cohen. And this is The Sauce, the culture and politics podcast where we drink cocktails and ruin the stuff you love. In this episode, we are going to ruin the Barbie movie, bitches. That's right! I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we didn't do Boppenheimer. I'm sorry. We'll get into that. We'll get into that in a second. All right. We both went to see the Barbie movie, Maya and I. In fact, we both saw it today mm-hmm. at almost the exact same time. It's true. And we have so much to talk about. Many, many things. Many things. And I actually think we're figuring out things to say because so many people have so many things to say. I was like, what, what the fuck can we say? But I actually am excited about some of the things that we have to say. Me too. But uh, before we get into all of that, we have to check in. Maya, let us know how are you doing and what are you drinking? Barbie has inspired me. I needed to make a pink drink. Mm-hmm. And so I broke out the blender. I broke out the last little can of pineapple juice that was somehow in my pantry. And there were some frozen strawberries in the freezer. So I've made a strawberry pina colada. Amazing. It is in my pink you know, reusable boba set of glasses that we got for my son. This is like a glass thermos type thing, but it's got a straw right in the middle of the lid. Are you drinking it through a straw? I am drinking it through a straw. That's dangerous. It's really tasty and I'm already pretty (laughs) drunk. So let's just start with that. I'm doing great. I took my son to Comic-Con for the first time. This past weekend. Yeah. How did that go? You know, everybody's like, oh, the studios aren't going to be there and, you know, the strike and, oh, it's going to be so much more chill. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I why laugh think at that. that. Um, it was great. We kept it mellow because the lines for everything were crazy and it was packed but we really, we really enjoyed it. I don't know. I'm glad that Last Gasp and Fantagraphics are still doing their thing. I was oh, very yeah, happy yeah, to see yeah. them. And, you know, Ziv got to, he did this thing. He's so 12. He like starts darting. And I was like, are you trying to lose me? And it was kind of like, yeah. And I was oh, like, wow. fine, I'll see you in two hours. Like, And you were like, sweet i'm gonna go find all my back issues of bitchy bitch comic that exact oh my god oh my god fanographics has put out an entire reprint of the entire tits and clits like like this big beautiful reprint of that and i purchased it of course you did of course i did how are you doing what are you drinking i also see some pink frothiness over on your side of the country well i am drinking kind of a drink I kind of made up um it's I don't know if you can see how pink it is it's a very light very very Barbie pink pink so I'm just gonna call it the Barbie cocktail this is a variation on the Clover Club cocktail Mm. which is one of those like 
old timey 1920s like goes back forever cocktails uh the thing is the clover club is made with uh, raspberry jam and i didn't have any raspberry jam mm. so i made it with strawberry preserves oh. and it uh it tastes like strawberry preserves <laughs> is it a gin cocktail it is it's gin strawberry preserves lemon juice and it, i put too much lemon juice so it was too tart so then I had to throw in some Grand Marnier to sweeten it up and then egg white to make it frothy. And I, it's very nice. I mean, Fantastic. it's like drinking strawberry jam. You can't really criticize it if you happen to can't like go wrong with strawberry that. jam. Yeah. Uh, and I'm doing good. I have been rereading Dune. Oh. This is my new project because the second Dune movie is coming out, you know, part two. And it's probably been 20 years since I actually read Dune. And it's theoretically my favorite book, though if we're talking about the book I've reread the most times, that would probably be Pride and Prejudice. Mm. But that's like such a basic answer. If someone's like, what's your favorite book? And you're like, Pride and Prejudice. You know? So listeners don't tell anyone. I secretly <laughs> really love Pride and Prejudice. But I also really love Dune. So I, I'm rereading it. And um, it's still really great. Awesome. And I've stopped, yeah, I stopped two-thirds of the way through, like, right after the part where the first movie ends. So now I'm going to rewatch the first movie, now that the book is fresh in my mind. And then I'll read the rest of the book, and then I'll go see the second movie. Perfect. I do want to say to the listeners that I apologize. We haven't really released an episode in a couple weeks and that's on me because we recorded like three weeks ago or something. We recorded this great episode about the Supreme Court. It was right after they dropped a bunch of decisions. And we had so much to say, we decided we had to make it a two-parter. But I have not finished editing it and posting it. And then the Barbie movie came out and everyone's talking about the Barbie movie. And I was like, you and I were both like, we just, we have to do this. So we decided to do this. And what we'll do is probably like next week, I'll put part one of our SCOTUS conversation up. So that is coming, something for listeners to look forward to. And I apologize for the delay. It's all good. Life is what it is. But we just want you to know we love our listeners. We miss you. And one of our listeners asked us, like everybody was like, so who saw Barbie? And one of our listeners was like, guys, ruin it. So like, I say oh, we just do that. it. Let's They're just get into it. They're already asking. They're well, ready. They're ready. Asking you shall receive. Now, first, I want to say that uh, one of our listeners thought we really should do the Boppenheimer double feature where we watch Oppenheimer and then Barbie, which is this kind of joke that took on a life of its own, which I think is fantastic because it's actually made people go back to the movies. Oppenheimer being Christopher Nolan's new movie about Oppenheimer and the creation of the bomb and all of this stuff. But uh, Rebecca, you said you were going to refuse to go see that. Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> I am repelled by the idea of that movie. Uh, to put it simply, I'm sorry if that sounds like strong uh, way of wording it. I think the way I phrased it was, you couldn't drag me. Like, please don't force me. Yeah. There are many reasons why. Like, first of all, Christopher Nolan is not my favorite 
filmmaker, director. Yeah. Okay? I haven't seen all of his things, to be fair. I haven't even seen Interstellar. I understand that one's really good. But, like, what I have seen of his um, has ranged from I absolutely hate it to, like, that was okay. I also just don't love biographical pictures. I don't love biopics. Some of them are good, but there's a lot of challenges in trying to make a person's life into a movie, into a story that, like, fits a three-act structure. It, you know, doesn't always work. And it is a great man movie. It's a mm. movie about a great man. Mm. And, you know, that's not See, my favorite thing. If I'm going to be super snotty about it, because this mm-hmm. is a place where I can be super snotty, is that, like, after the John Adams opera, Dr. Atomic, <laughs> what more can you say? Right. I really feel like what's the point of even making the movie? That's if you're my going question. to, after John Adams has done such a genius opera, I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah, that's, that wasn't exactly what was going through my mind. But, but yes, I was thinking like, what, what is there to say at this point about this story? And from what I've heard, it doesn't sound like the movie gives you great insight into Oppenheimer the man or into his biography or his story in a way that sheds some new light or is like interesting or at some new angle. It, it seems to me like I had this debate in ninth grade history class. Should we Again. have made the bomb? Should we have dropped the bomb? It, it, I don't know. I don't want to trivialize it. It's like, you know, the Linda Carter tweet, Linda Carter tweeted and yes. you, you pointed out the tweet to me. What was like, uh, if you're going to see the Barbenheimer double feature, see Oppenheimer first because he created the world in which Barbie takes place which was she's quite brilliant just brilliant genius genius tweet and I appreciate that idea of the the crucial importance of the atomic bomb socially politically culturally and how it changed everything I just I'm so skeptical that Christopher Nolan has it enough of a grasp on that or is able to communicate it in an effective way I don't know what this movie is going to be offering me it it looks like a bore fest it looks like a snooze fest to me well one thing that it has done is it's I think exploited <laughs> this idea of the Boppenheimer Barbieheimer double feature to really overperform at the box office uh, as this kind of hilarious event that people are then taking seriously, which brings us to our first segment, which is about how everybody is trying to jump on the Barbie bandwagon. Like there's a way that this Barbie movie is an event. Um, it's movie as event in yeah. this way that feels a bit fresh and delightful and perky. And the people who seem to be needing to exploit it the most are right-wing douchebags. Yes, Like, they just can't, they're like, oh my God, how am I going to jump on this train by a big public critique of it? My Lord, the right-wing douchebags who are, like, trying to glom on to the phenomenon that is the Barbie movie are giving me life. So I really wanted to start (laughs) our Barbie discussion by talking about this. I mean, it's giving, like, it's brought me back to Twitter. It's been a while. I'm sorry, Twitter? I'm sorry, X. <laughs> X. It's now called X. Uh, so now we can't call them tweets anymore. We have to call them Zeets. Zeets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That aside, uh, 
I, I've just been posting constantly. And it, I know everyone's dunking on Ben Shapiro and these other guys, these stupid man baby twats. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. First of all, just spoilers aplenty, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Because Ben Shapiro goes to see the movie dressed as how the Kens are dressed. That's not a spoiler. That's not a spoiler. But there will be, we will give you guys a spoiler warning when we're getting into the spoilers section of this conversation, which will be soon. But like when the Kens are having their biggest meltdown their biggest you toxic don't masculine- have to contextualize it like that to simply establish that ben shapiro went to the barbie movie posted a picture of himself on the website formerly known as twitter standing in front of the barbie poster looking annoyed and he wrote my producers dragged me to see barbie and it was one of the most woke movies i have ever seen my full oh, review yeah. of this flaming garbage heap of a film will be out on YouTube tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. But the picture where he's standing there, he's wearing a black T-shirt, black belt, and black pants. And there is a big scene in the Barbie movie. The screenshots are everywhere. It's not really a spoiler. There is a scene in which the many Kens in the movie all appear in that exact outfit. And you cannot convince me this is some kind of freak coincidence that he just happened to be cosplaying as a Ken when he went to see this movie. I I mean, it's a troll, okay? The whole thing is a troll. He posted, like, the next day on his YouTube channel, you know, Ben Shapiro destroys Barbie for 43 minutes. He posted a 43-minute... That's almost half the length of the movie. One of my friends (laughs) said that he felt like it was, like gonna be a video of him just like fucking a life-size barbie doll for 43 yeah. minutes it just sounds like such a porn right he destroys, ben barbie, destroys barbie. barbie yeah yeah yeah, yeah there definitely were people reposting that and being like i do not want to watch you fuck a doll <laughs> um also um he did post a video of himself burning barbie dolls like throwing them in a garbage can and like burning them but look this is a troll he did this for the attention There is this cultural phenomenon happening. People are interested and excited about it. And he is capitalizing. And, you know, all attention is good attention as far as he's concerned, I'm sure. And you know what? I really don't mind giving him more attention for it. But I am fascinated by the response from this corner of the mostly online. uh, I'm sure there's non-online versions of this as well but this sort of right-wing culture war culture warrior anti-woke personas are like all up in arms about this movie and one of the reasons I'm bringing it up aside from the fact that it's just hilarious is that it did shape some of my expectations going into the movie Ah, yes. I knew the movie was going to be, I knew it was directed by Greta Gerwig. I knew that um, it would be more aimed toward adults, grownups, than strictly toward children. I I had those expectations, but I wasn't necessarily expecting any kind of like overt, we're going to talk about feminism thing. Right, right. I was informed by these right-wing douchebags, that the word patriarchy is used over a dozen times in the movie. And many of the reviews 
uh, it talks about it's mi- the movie's misandry. It's oh, hatred God. of men. Yeah. Um, and what you wrote to me was uh, right as we were about to start watching the movie on our respective coast was this better be some hardcore radical propaganda. <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, with how they're setting this shit up, bring yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I collected a few tweets that interested me, like uh, Jack Posobiec tweeted, uh, they made Barbie a man-hating woke propaganda fest. Right. Uh, They teach Barbie fans about rising up against, quote, the patriarchy, and Ken is portrayed as beta and borderline word I am not going to repeat for someone with intellectual disabilities. Right. So we have... Man hating woke propaganda fest there. Like yeah. I've been doing I've been yeah. Twitter searching Barbie man hating, Barbie woke, Barbie misandry. I did that search. Um I found like some rando, I'm not even gonna say his name on Twitter, complaining about the French poster for the movie, which uh depicts Barbie like sitting on Ken's shoulder. Ken is holding her up on his shoulder and Barbie has one hand up in the air and with the other hand, she's steadying herself by covering Ken's face with her hand. And this guy writes, the hysteria would flow if a film, if a film was like this, but with the sexes reversed. Oh my God. If it is a hit, unrestrained misandry might become Hollywood's new standard. I Uh, mean, you know what? If only, if only. Don't threaten me with a good time, man. That's... Yeah, science willing. Let it happen. But, <laughs> but also, um, uh, the center view saying the plot is a classic battle of the sexes where men are portrayed as dumb, useless, ignorant losers. Right. While the women are all shown to be perfect and capable and doing everything. I highlighted these ones because I'm like, have you heard of Barbie? Do you know right. what Barbie right. is? Like, without right. having seen the movie, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that this movie is making a joke about how Barbie is the main attraction and Ken is an afterthought. Yeah. Ken is basically her accessory, right? Yes. That's the joke of the poster with her hand over his face. Men are portrayed as dumb and useless. No, Ken dolls are portrayed Ken as dolls. dumb and useless. And the women, yeah, the women are shown as perfect and doing everything because Barbie is an astronaut. Barbie That's right. is a Nobel Prize winner. Barbie's a but veterinarian. Also in the opening scene, which shows like little girls used to play with dolls, you know, just as mm-hmm. baby dolls. And then uh, when Barbie shows up, all the girls smash their baby dolls, right? Yeah, right. And there are these conservative men who are like horrified by that. And it's like, have you ever seen girls play? Like, it's <laughs> like... I don't know. I mean, I think obviously, obviously, it's just a troll. It's just an excuse. These men are always looking for a reason to panic about wokeness. They're they're looking for red meat for their audience, whoever their audience may be. Their audience wants this outrage. They want to feel outrage against this woke culture that's taking over everything and trying to destroy their way of life. And you see it like Ted Cruz is complaining about it. Oh yeah, that's right. Matt Gates' wife is complaining about it. Uh, this is what they're going to use to try to show that uh, the woke culture is feeding all of this like negative, monstrous material. Right, right. So this made me want to see the movie much more than I had wanted to prior. 
because I really wanted to find out how woke it is. Um, whether they were looking at a movie that was making light jokes about how Barbie is everything and Ken is an accessory and interpreting that as being some kind of commentary, some kind of treatise on the very nature of men as a gender and their proper role in society. Well, and I think that there is a way that in making a movie like this at all and hiring somebody like Greta Gerwig and Greta Gerwig and her partner, Noah Baumbach, co-wrote it together. Yeah. That they were going to have to deal with Barbie qua Barbie. At a certain point, they were going to have to deal with Barbie as a phenomenon in the world uh -huh. um, and not just have these characters show up and go on an adventure. Right. Like, it seems like it was going to have to be a meta movie. Yeah. It, it was obvious from the trailers and ads that have been available for months that this was going to be a meta movie that it was yes. going to be about Barbie as like a toy about Barbie as a character that we know as opposed to like sort of just taking place in a world where there's a woman named Barbie and a man named Ken and they're doing things uh, right. so th that aspect of it was obvious and I'm I'm really genuinely fascinated it, maybe it's deliberate. Maybe it is deliberate as part of their troll. But I am fascinated by the way these guys, and they're mostly guys, um, don't seem able to distinguish between, like, a thing is portrayed in a movie and the movie is advocating for that thing. It's this, like, well, all of the men in Barbie world are secondary and they're ignored because they're Ken's. And so we are interpreting this as meaning that the movie is advocating for men to be that way or is suggesting that it is fun or good for men to be that way or something like that. It's almost like they've seen feminist film criticism or they've sort of like lightly brushed against it like at a party, <laughs> you know, they accidentally and elbowed so it at a party. And so now they're just, they're cosplaying as, yes. as yeah. Like, they're doing what they think feminist film criticism does. Right, right. I feel like at the end of the day, there are two things. They need to get some of the runoff of the money and the attention economy that is going to this movie. Exactly. And anything, anything, anything that turns discourse over gender and the patriarchy into mainstream conversation is genuinely seen as dangerous. It's both. I think it's very cynical. I don't think any of them actually believe it's dangerous. But I think that there is this way that they're like, there is this real anger because it's not just that they're, I think that they see that it's a very compelling product. And so they're kind of like losing their minds over it. Like they can't just deny it or sort of brush it aside or whatever it's just some shitty movie who gives a shit it made 155 million dollars in the first weekend right right and i think that there is a way that in this moment where god damn it we are turning the clock back on reproductive rights how can women have these conversations in a mainstream place how can a corporation pay to make a movie like that right right and I think it's also that when all is said and done, 
the movie is actually talking about feminism. And so, like, it's such low-hanging fruit for them. Absolutely. That it's like they don't actually have to think at all. They can just be like, it's woke. Let's jump on it and uh, capitalize and get our clicks. Well, let's get into how woke it is. How woke is it? I can see how in the 1920s, when the gin you were drinking was probably like rubbing alcohol, like literally actually wasn't <laughs> gin. You know what I mean? It, that that you could be like, yes, let's put jam. Let's put let's put raspberry jam in it. That makes perfect sense to me. All right. So how woke is this movie? I mean, first, I just want to say really briefly, because I have I had complicated feelings about this movie, even though I totally cried uh, at multiple <laughs> points of this movie. So, I cried too. I thought it was me that I'm just having like a weird emotional day, but like I'm gratified to you say that because I was like kind of oh, no, crying. Multiple times. And the guy next to me, I think he was queer. He was crying and like we were kind of laughing at the same jokes and like and yeah. and at the end I sort of turned to him and was like waving my hand over my eyes you right. know to like, like get, and been, he was totally yeah. like and he was completely right there with me um I do want to say just briefly Margot Robbie was extraordinary she I was think great she was extra I thought Ryan Gosling should get an Oscar. I I thought Ryan Gosling kind of stole the movie. He was great. And I think America Ferrara actually was like fucking great. Like she those were very much the three leads. Yeah. And their proper acting chops anchored it couldn't that could not have happened without their ability to anchor the movie emotionally because all the other actors in the movie are basically there to like say a funny line, have right. a little moment, you know, whatever, it's fine. But the three of them sort of had like held all the feelings. They like carried the feelings bucket and that big, big plaudits for the yeah, three Yeah, and them. They, they had to hit uh, like tonally oh. really specific places and and really all of them did an amazing job. Yes, I thought the the production, uh, the design. production design was fan fucking tastic. I am sorry the the Barbie houses, the whole Barbie land, Barbie world setting, and it was no CGI. There was no CGI. That's really interesting. I didn't I didn't necessarily think there was, but I think it's a credit to the movie that I didn't even think about it. Yes, it just was so well designed. Like the houses were not actual Barbie dream houses. None of them was like an actual product you might buy, but they each contained features from real Barbie yes. dream houses. And then there were other sets, like other buildings within the world that weren't necessarily at all Barbie products, but were made to look of a piece with actual toys you could buy. It was so well done. And and I think that then in the times when they go to the real world, I thought like visually the way that they held those two separate spaces, the transition from real world to Barbie world happening through Venice Beach, mwah, like there were all sorts of little touches like that. It was a very convincing, consistent, every beat, very clean like yeah. structure. And I also... 
have to say a, a large piece of the pleasure of watching this movie for me was in recognizing the toys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were so many like Easter eggs, as people yes. call them. There were so many references to specific Barbie clothes, outfits, accessories, much of which I wasn't familiar with. But it was so pleasurable to see the things I was familiar with, especially the ones where you're like, oh, shit, I had that. But that was really fun. But I also thought that the sort of running gag of naming all of the Barbies and Kens that were discontinued or the things that were so a product of its moment. So even the things that I didn't recognize because I didn't have them, the way that Barbie has always tried to be a reflection of what is happening in the moment. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. sort of allowing that to mean that there's a lot of ephemera that's super ridiculous. I thought that that was also incredibly clever. I thought so too. So these are all things that we liked. There'll be other things that we will say that we liked, but it'll be a little bit more complicated. I feel like <laughs> these are all of the things that I can say I liked unreservedly. Right. Un- uncomplicated, just got pleasure from. Yes. And we couldn't even be at the point of this conversation without that anchor, without those anchors, visually Agreed. and in terms of performance. So done. So now let's get into ruining it. Let's ruin okay. this shit. All right. All right. All right. Before we do, we should. This is spoiler warning time. Yes. We are going to get into spoilers. If you have not seen Barbie and you care at all about spoilers, just go see it and then come back and listen to the yes. rest of this. Um, if you don't care about spoilers, great, because here we go. Um, what I want to do is organize this conversation around themes that we saw in the movie. Yes. Because there's so much there's so much going on in this movie. Yes. And there's a lot to unpack and, and a lot of different ways, I think a lot of different ways of reading it. And this may, we're going to see overlap here with these themes, but to the best of our ability, we've organized this into some baskets of themes. And the first one I want to address is the theme of girlhood and womanhood and motherhood. Uh, I think an interesting place to start is it's rather obvious now that I've heard it, but it didn't exactly occur to me until I saw it on a YouTube video by the YouTube channel Screen Crush. And uh, they did an analysis of the Barbie movie in which uh, the basic thesis was that the movie is a metaphorical journey into womanhood where Barbie at the beginning of the movie in Barbie land it's representing girlhood as the doll is a toy played with by little girls and it's a little girl's idea or ideal of life Um, and then when she goes into the real world Barbie begins her journey towards adult womanhood and then as we said, there'd be spoilers at the end when she chooses to be in the real world permanently, that's adulthood. And uh, one great point I thought they made in the that video was that Barbie's first encounters with the real world are like getting slapped on the ass, you know, getting stared at. Side note, that line where Ryan Gosling, Ken, they're in Venice Beach and he's like, Uh, I'm getting looked at a lot and it's not even with any undercurrent of violence. 
And Barbie's like, Barbie says, my, I, I feel an undercurrent of violence. She's like, my, mine has an undercurrent of violence. <laughs> that was yeah. like one of the best lines. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. 100%. The, the idea posited by Screen Crush was misogyny as a wake-up call that forces women to grow up, that forces girls to grow up into women. I thought that was an interesting take. I think it's a, a very brilliant take. I felt like this movie was a movie that Gerwig made about being a mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I felt like in the same way that that in The Godfather, Coppola is basically dealing with issues of masculinity and fatherhood, and, and, and he does it by painting this grand world. Um, uh, I felt like Gerwig was doing the same thing with this movie, that it's about the matrilineal inheritance of Barbies and how you cope with a misogynist patriarchal world and that it's about the difficulties of that. Um, I think the, the fact that the central relationship that triggers Barbie leaving Barbie land and coming into the real world is the relationship between a mother and her teenage daughter. Um, yes. And that the mother's angst sending her back to playing with Barbies. That's the initial event that sets off the entire story. Yeah. I mean, it's also interesting in light of the opening scene and the idea of the Barbie as this alternative to the baby doll and to the uh, presumption of your role as a mom being the only imaginative play that you're allowed. And yes, we'll get into that more later, but it, that's interesting that the movie is very clearly positing this, like girls don't want to fantasize about being mothers. They want to fantasize about doing all these other things. And now here's a movie that is really about a mother. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the catalyst that gets the plot in motion, as you said, is the mother's tension with her teen daughter or tween daughter, and the resolution of that plot line for those two, that woman and her daughter, is that America Ferrara's character has to go to all of the Barbies who are girl children. Like, as we said, the Barbie world sort of represents girlhood. And she has to go to all these girl children and articulate to them the challenges and difficulties and complexities and contradictions of being a woman in a patriarchal society. And there's an implication there, I think, that this was something she otherwise wouldn't have been able to or wouldn't have thought to articulate to her own daughter. Right. right. And there's also the way that the inventor of the Barbie is this matrilineal figure. And there's a way that real world there are a couple of like found footage sequences uh, that are actually kind of weirdly avant-garde. Uh, like when oh, um, I turned, I turned to Matt at the at the end where they have all the yeah. footage. I was like, "Leave it to Greta Gerwig to figure out a way to put Super Eight footage yeah, in a course. fucking Barbie movie." Abs- like, absolutely, um, all of that shows or places the experience of womanhood or a sort of matriarchal society not in the massive events of of like human history that get taught in history class but in these relationships which are what yes. 
so much of Barbie is about. And I do want to quickly read this quote from uh, Joey Soloway when he was doing Transparent. And it's misgendered because this was before Soloway came out. Um, but it's this quote from The New Yorker where Soloway says that her show is not a cult because of the culture that Soloway would make directing it. Um it's not a cult, she says, it's feminism. Women, Soloway said, are naturally suited to being directors. We all know how to do it. We fucking grew up doing it. It's dolls. How did men make us think we weren't good at this? It's dolls and feelings. And women are fighting to become directors? What the fuck happened? Which, by the way, this was posted by one of our listeners. Melissa, thank you so much. Yes. Um, so this idea of the richness of adult female life being in this very profound understanding of motherhood, feelings, mother-to-daughter relationships, woman-to-woman relationships, like in all of that sort of memory footage, there are no men. Right, right, of course. It's all mothers, daughters, grandmothers, this kind of inheritance of this alternative history, which is the history of women passing things on down one to another. And I feel like that's what the movie is about. It's about like being a fucking mom and all of the like giant feelings of like being a mom in the world as it is and trying to elevate those things and trying to like say those are the beautiful things. Those are the real things. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I do think it is more generally about being a woman in relationship with other women. Yes. And and it positions Barbie very much as Ruth Handler's daughter. Yes. In a metaphorical and kind of literal way. Yes. Um, but like Barbie isn't a mother and there's no indication she's going to become one. But that doesn't... What? What are you going to say? Well, I'm saying that the, the whole final gag of like when she re-enters human world and they're like, good mm -hmm. luck, Barbie. And you think like, God, is she going for a job interview? Is she? No, she's going to the gynecologist. Like right. that's her entry. That's her entry into real life is that even if she's not going to literally have children, she's joining this sort of life of dealing with herself as a reproductive creature. Okay. All right. I mean, that's, that's literally the punchline of the whole fucking... No, I know like, it's the punchline of the whole thing, but as a uh, person who is child-free, a woman who is child-free, I don't necessarily hear, like, going to the gynecologist and think reproduction. I just think, I think, like, okay, Barbie can actually fuck now. <laughs> So all of this makes me feel like, you know, when I'm talking about motherhood and that totally like that's to those are totally moments that made me cry. And I'm like, oh, my God, Gerwig has two young children. And this is just right. how she's painting this big thing. And I really appreciate that. But also another giant theme is what I'm trying to say is capitalism, consumerism and corporatism. Yes. Very, very big themes. In a moment, we'll talk about the feminism and the feminist themes, which are very closely linked. But I yes. want to talk about capitalism and corporatism separate from how they're related to feminism. 
I thought it was very interesting. Like the first thing that struck me and one of the first things I said when leaving the theater was that when Barbie comes into the lunch area and talks to the girls and they uh, lambast her and tell her everything that's wrong with the Barbie doll and they give her all of the standard critiques, all of the standard feminist progressive criticisms that have been leveled at the Barbie doll in real life, they, they yes. say to her. One of them is that the doll promotes consumerism. Yes. Which is a pretty fair criticism. But ultimately, the movie doesn't revisit that idea. It revisits some of the, some of the other ideas. To a large extent, it lets those critiques lie there and it doesn't yes. really address them. But this one definitely like doesn't get addressed. And not only does it not get addressed... But ultimately, the movie is a two-hour-long toy commercial. Correct. For, for all of its feminist messaging and all of the ways that it is critical about Barbie's perfection not being ideal and Barbie needs to experience a more rich life, uh, it's a toy commercial. Yes. And apparently, it's the first of many. Apparently, Mattel is like, oh. we are going to be the next Marvel and no. we are going to make how Yes. You, how do you make a sequel to that? There is no possible no, way. But I'm not saying that it's possible or a great idea. I'm saying this is the <laughs> ambition that they have explicitly <laughs> articulated. This is Mattel. That's a, refreshing. The, Mattel the Mattel cinematic universe. This is the Mattel, this is the beginning of the MCU. <laughs> the, the new MCU. The new MCU. The so yes, this, this is a plan that they have and they have a lot of money to okay. put into it and this is what they're trying to do. I did not know that. I will say it is difficult to picture how this movie can function as the jumping off point for that. But you're right, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're going to do it. Um, and yeah, it's like... It's a toy commercial. Like it reminds me of Saturday morning cartoons when we were kids, when we would watch the Transformers and Gem and the Holograms and the Smurfs and whatever. And it was like my parents would be like, "These are toy commercials," and I'd be like, "No, yes. it's great. It's great TV. You know, are they going to get away from Gargamel this time? Who can yeah. say? You know, yeah, 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 okay. yeah." But also, I think actually that makes me feel like the darkness of this movie and the way that. Like the part of it that makes me, ugh, like kind of <laughs> recoil is that it's basically they're trying to reinstantiate Barbie as an okay item for women to buy their daughters by like making a feminist Barbie movie. Ooh. Like Reddit, like, yeah, 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 like that's what they're doing. They're that trying to get moms doing. like me, they're trying to get moms like me to buy Barbie dolls for their daughters. God, that is a hundred percent correct. Yeah, oh, and that's okay. what the part of me that was sitting there, yeah. like, oh, 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 is they're like, no, we're gonna reinscribe feminism onto Barbie to make Barbie okay. Yeah, like that's to bring her into the 21st century. Before we talk about feminism in the movie, one more thing about corporatism. Uh, and this is something Matt pointed out. And I thought it was insightful. And um, he always brings his Marxist lens to everything yes. he's watching. Yes. And um, he mentioned that the corporate executives, right, the Mattel executives depicted yes. in the movie, 
he saw it as very uh, critical, very anti-capitalist, anti-corporate. In part, I know you're scoffing. Maya's scoffing right now. But um, just looking at the movie as a work of Greta Gerwig's <laughs> filmmaking, um, the corporate executives themselves are depicted as being like the Barbie dolls. They are basically real-world Barbies. They're kind of dumb, privileged. Uh, they dress up in outfits. They're wearing this the outfit, your, yeah. yeah, even though they have actually no actual skills or knowledge, but they're wearing the suit outfit. Right. And I think casting Will Ferrell as the CEO is perfect because Will Ferrell's whole shtick, his whole uh, oeuvre is about dumb men and about the yeah. satire of masculinity. And Anchorman still remains the greatest movie about toxic masculinity of our time. And and I, I think it does create a shorthand where his yes. presence tells you like yes. what you need to know about this character right Absolutely. off the bat. Um, but yeah, going back to the outfits, it, it's like it's executive Barbie because she's wearing the outfit. That's right. It's the same thing. Yes. And like the Barbies, these C-suite corporate executives don't care about the people whose lives they are impacting. Everyone else is akin to them. Yes. They they're they're dilute they're self-deluding. They believe that they are um empowering little girls, even as there are no women among them. Correct. And Will Ferrell's character has the little speech where he's like, oh, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I care about little girls and, you know, helping them dream big. But then later in the movie, when America Ferrara's character suggests ordinary woman Barbie and Will Ferrell's like, no, that would be terrible. That's a terrible idea. And the guy behind him is like, it's going to make us a gazillion dollars. And he's like, that's a great idea. Very pointedly contradicting the earlier claims like it's there Th that and, that messaging is there and you noted that, that it's very meta because basically what the movie the the plot of the movie is that feminism and ordinary barbie can make a lot of money and that's what greta gerwig is demonstrating that right. feminist barbie can make a lot of money and at the end of the day if it makes a lot of money then it's fine and I kind of respect that approach. Of like, <laughs> I, no, I do. Like, Gerwig's approach of like, look, I, money speaks. That That is what you hear and see. That's what matters to you. I'm going to make a gazillion dollars off a feminist movie. And you're going to make a bunch more feminist movies because that's how you operate. That's how you think. Right. So, right. you know, maybe there's something to that. Maybe not. Uh, it depends on your brand of feminism and how you feel about capitalism overall. But I think that brings us to this next theme, the next yes. bucket that we have to get to, which is, and I have to say this, you know how Schindler's List wasn't really for Jews? <laughs> I feel like it was for, it was for you know, Christian, non-Jew Americans to be like, oh, I guess that Holocaust was real bad. Um I similarly felt like this movie wasn't for me. Like I, I, there are many things I enjoyed, but it's not for me um, because it is ultimately a movie that is about a kind of capitalist, liberal feminism. 
like the the feminism that don't worry about it guys you'll make a lot of money off this feminism that is ultimately not for me and that's that's where I feel like you and I maybe come to some disagreements because I actually feel like this movie contained a critique of liberal feminism and of capitalist feminism okay uh but I do get the idea of like it's not for you in the sense going back to the Schindler's List thing like guess what I I knew that Jews were humans <laughs> and it was yeah. bad to kill kill yeah. them and murder them on yeah. mass like I already knew Correct. that was bad but like yeah. I get there are some people that need to have that explained yes and here it's sort of like yeah I knew patriarchy was bad but okay like some people need that or want that I will say uh, in the theater when Gloria does give her climactic speech about the cognitive dissonance of being a woman living under patriarchy and all the contradictions that you have to live with and negotiate girls and women in the crowd were vocally audibly reacting to it Mm. cheering Mm. it on not not raucously or anything but the reactions were present right so i know it was resonating with some people it was and and i feel like The climax of the movie or the big turnaround of the movie is that all the Barbies take Feminism 101. Yeah. Like that is the climax of the movie. The climax of the movie is the Barbies take first semester feminist theory. Yes. What I find interesting about that, where I think it gets a little more complicated, a little more interesting than just this movie is giving you Feminist Theory 101 is the movie is positing the idea that Barbie is a feminist icon. It's Mm. immediately, the moment it says that, it's, I don't want to say undermining that, but, you know, the joke at the beginning is that, um, you know, Barbie did every job and filled every role, and then feminism was over and equality was Everything was fixed. Everything was fixed. Uh, And that's the joke. The joke is we all know this not to be true, but the Barbies believe it to be true because they are astronauts and Nobel Prize winners and whatever. Well, but also because they're children. Also because they're children. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Part of the reason that they need Feminism 101 is because they're children, is because going back to the idea of the movie as this metaphorical coming of age, Barbie land represents girlhood, childhood. And if the awareness of patriarchy is the sort of slap in the face that is the catalyst that starts your journey into real womanhood, these women, these girls have not experienced that yet. That's how they're so easily duped into becoming uh, um, participants, followers. yeah, participants in, in, in the, the patriarchy Ken, that Ken brings in back the from the real world. Yeah, in Kendom. Yeah, you can read the Barbies falling into the Ken's patriarchal system as a critique of the kind of corporate capitalist consumerist feminism, quote unquote feminism, that Barbie represents. Barbie the doll, Barbie the brand, is saying it's empowering girls. And Barbie does all the important roles and occupies all of the positions of power in Barbie land. 
And the moment Ken comes back with like, hey, here's a cool thing. It's called patriarchy. You get us beers. They fall right into that. You could read that as a criticism saying that like the feminism that they were experiencing was flimsy and baseless. It was fake. It was not any kind of real empowerment. Now then, the empowerment that they then are given is real if um, a little bit, yeah, 101, a basic. Well, also because, like, one of the things I found really frustrating is that the Barbies get this feminist 101 realization of the bullshit double standards and impossible situations that we are stuck in under uh, patriarchal consumer capitalism. And so the way that they win is by manipulating Kens, just baby them, manage them, manipulate them, nag them. It, Moira Donegan wrote that the end project is about saving men's souls and Barbie's, her fault for, for Ken's bad feelings that would make him susceptible to wanting to bring back patriarchy. And I was like, I literally wrote in my notebook, God, can we not have one place in the world? Like <laughs> one fucking place, like girlhood. Right, can we not right. have one place? Like they are baby men. And like, yes. they should be happy to be living in Barbie's world. But maybe that's the point is that Barbie's world is already a patriarchy. Well, yes, because the... The fantasy land of Barbie land is was created within a patriarchal world. It, yes. it isn't actually another dimension or another world. It's a world created by our world. And so it carries with it all of the same problems. Right. I, I mean, right. I get that. And I think that's a astute criticism that the Barbies are put in a position where they have to sort of manage the Ken's feelings. Like, yeah, that even their way of like asserting power is through this this kind of like woo, 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 yeah, woo, caregiving. Yeah. Ugh. Right, caregiving. They have to distract them. It's like everything's managing them. It's managing them. Yes, yes. But see, this goes to this question about armed revolution, <laughs> which right. I think the movie dances around and like keeps hinting at. Uh, because systems are presented to us that are unsatisfactory and leave some segment of society, whether it's the original arrangement where the Kens are totally peripheral and unsatisfied, or it's the new Mojo Dojo Casa yeah. House society where yes. the Kens are dominating. Either way, um, someone is left unsatisfied, disempowered, and the idea that what they really should do is armed revolution i mean first of all the barbies are never going to do armed revolution and i think it's worth pointing out that their need to manage the kens only happens after the kens bring patriarchy to barbie land then they're forced to do this managing thing um where armed revolution would probably have been more appropriate but also the Kens would have been perfectly justified, I think, in armed revolution against the Barbies in the first place, but they never do. And this is where you can read the movie in some interesting ways, okay? 
So first of all, I think the Kens should have just been really happy to even just be there, frankly. I get that they should have. They are man babies, but I think the movie is pretty clear about them being man babies because they're made to be man babies. I think there's like a real like patriarchy hurts men too thing going on. Yeah, I know. And that's where it's like kind of basic and, and less interesting. Where it's more interesting to me is in the idea that like in the end, the Kens are pacified not through being given equality with the Barbies or earning equalities with the Barbies. The Barbies feel bad that they were so mean to the Kens and they're like, you know what? You can do more stuff. And, the, and Ken is like, oh, can we have a Supreme Court justice? And they're like, no, 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 no. But maybe, maybe, like, a, maybe like a lower circuit court judge. And the Kens are satisfied with this. And to me, this seems very clearly like a critique of any kind of non-revolutionary change or justice movement. It's a critique of liberal feminism. The power structure in a capitalist liberal democracy is throwing crumbs to these disaffected, disempowered groups, and they are satisfied with that. That's enough to quell any unrest, even though they are never really being given access to any of the levers of power. They're never really going to be able to work their way up to equality with the Barbies. And that's what you get when you don't engage in armed revolution. Right. See, at the end of the day, I feel like we can say that or see that or look at that and go, see, the answer is not going to be what is contained within this world. But I feel like at the end of the day, the movie contains revolutionary impulses. And you noted, because this is the thing about the whole, like, the real thing that Barbie, you know, that we're pushing against is having to be perfect, that girls are just really being trained by Barbie to feel like you have to be the president, you have to be the astronaut, you have to be the Nobel Prize winner. Um, And what you learn as a woman is like, you don't have to be powerful like that. Right. Like, maybe you'll be president. It. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll be a mom. Maybe you won't. Maybe, yeah. Right. And to me, that's so like ultimately a misreading of how girls play with Barbie. Yes. And what they're getting from Barbie. Um, but ultimately, Barbie prefers the real patriarchal world. Right. Ultimately, she has seen too much to go back to the girlhood fantasy. Yes. And this idea of a different way and the sort of utopia and like the utopia of girlhood is ultimately undone. That's so that I feel like is where where I felt unsatisfied. I totally get that. Uh, I feel like both of these readings sort of exist simultaneously. Yes. Uh, but at the end of the day, the system won't change, and neither in Barbie land or in the real world. And right. this, I, there was this line towards the end where they're trying to resolve it, where they're like, being a human is really uncomfortable. And like, yeah, and patriarchy deals with the discomfort by oppressing women in all of these like really insane ways <laughs> because they cannot handle the size of their own feelings or of other feelings. So they create structures that ultimately put Barbie in the box. But uh, 
I feel like the fact that Barbie chooses the real world, where they try to keep her in a box with its patriarchy, is kind of a key to understanding what's really going on in the feminist messaging of the movie. Because Barbie Land is not a feminist utopia. It's not a girlhood utopia. It's purporting to be that. But it falls short, not because they're treating the Kens badly or whatever. Who fucking cares? It, it falls short because it is ultimately a corporate product. And it, it's this consumerist approach to feminism. The idea that someone is going to sell you your liberation through purchasing up these products and the cognitive dissonance that the movie is really about isn't the cognitive dissonance of, oh, I have to be thin, but I can't say I want to be thin. I have to be powerful, but I can't be mean. Like, yes, okay, we are addressing that and acknowledging it. But the real cognitive dissonance is the cognitive dissonance that Barbie represents that the Barbie doll represents which is that she can be the perfect consumer the perfect female consumer she has all the clothes she has the dream house the camper the corvette she has all the things and she's president and she's a Nobel Prize winner and she's a doctor and whatever else uh, you need to be empowered, right? Like she's all the empowered things. So she's all the powerful things that that you can can and should want both of those and that they are inextricably linked. That that the perfect idealized life is that. It's having yes. all the things being glamorous and it's not even necessarily about the physical beauty. It's about having all the different dresses and all the different Barbies because you can't have one Barbie who is president and lifeguard and veterinarian. Like you have to get veterinarian Barbie and president Barbie and lifeguard Barbie. You got to buy more fucking Barbies. And right. I do think the film is being critical of that in a, in a subtle way. I do think it is presenting the quote unquote perfection of Barbie land and telling you that that it's bullshit and that the messy, crappy, patriarchal oppression of the real world is actually better than this fucking liberal feminist fantasy of having it all. Which is why there is this kind of meta commentary on the history of Barbie doll production. Yes. Which is also, though, done in this kind of nostalgic, sweet way, where it's like, oh, gosh, they were so silly back then. No, they're also this silly now. And I feel like it's then missing this thing about actual girls and how they play. So right now, I come into my daughter's room. And she has this doll, and for some reason, she's been using her socks as the, like, the doll is naked, but then she uses the sock as, like, a skirt. Like, I don't know if she's making the doll into, like, a mermaid with this kind of sock. Like, I don't know what is going Maybe on. Maybe she's designing a new kind of skirt with no hey, opening at the bottom. You know what? 
it doesn't matter because I fucking love to walk in and see the bizarre mess of her mind played out enacted in, yeah on the doll because yeah. that is absolutely how I played and I thought that one of the things that was so wrong about the movie and one of my friends said uh Sarah Mesley said that she loved how the movie registers the frothy pleasurable and feminine as deeply anarchic mm-hmm. I actually thought it could be way more anarchic way crazier like there's only one weird barbie are you fucking kidding me they're all weird barbies they're all there to cut their hair and fuck it up and put different clothes on each other and like when girls would get a certain barbie veterinarian barbie the role that the barbie would come in and the outfit that she would come in were just jumping off points to how girls would then really play which is like crazy in the crazy wild imaginative space and I felt like there were a couple of gestures of that but I feel like girls don't play the way that it is saying girls play in Barbie land Barbie land should be so much more wild I agree there's not one weird Barbie you are 100% right because everyone who owned Barbies had weird Barbies like every Barbie eventually becomes a weird Barbie. Yes. At some point in her existence. That's, that's, the, that's the arc of the Barbie's life is from the newness of the box and how we are meant to play with her to the realness of where it goes. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. And um, I think the movie just accepts this idea of um, Barbie as representing some kind of fantasy that the dolls inspire a girl's imagination by showing that a woman can be a doctor or an astronaut which and and I don't want to totally downplay that because I think Margot Robbie I think said it in an interview Barbie was a doctor before women could have credit cards that does matter yes but at the same time the way the Barbie is, appears in her box in her package when you know, you buy her is not necessarily the way you play with her. And I think if there is a place where this movie fell short, it was in this regard, uh, in that it sort of took for granted the idea that Barbies are what they're sold to be and didn't give very much, it did give some, but not enough, in my opinion, attention to the real ways that, like you said, that girls play. Uh, I, I think a good place to start in talking about this is what you were referencing in the last segment where you talked about the idea that little girls only played with baby dolls and pretending to be mothers before Barbie came along. Yeah, I, I, that is not true. (laughs) It's a party line on what Barbie is that like, that girls couldn't play in different ways before they could buy Barbie. That's not true. Right. It's the official story of Barbie. Yes. And, and Part of the feminist narrative of the Barbie brand is like girls could only the old the only dolls that existed were baby dolls before Barbie, which is not true. It's not true. And also the way that Barbies are all dolls are proxies for things that girls are working out in the world as they are in the chaos of early and middle childhood putting things together 
Right. It's wild in in those girl brains. It's wild in there. What the Mattel story and the Ruth Handler story and the Barbie story, what it's saying really is that Barbie was the first mass-marketed doll that wasn't a baby doll, right? She was the first mass-marketed doll that was like an avatar for the girl right that she could play through the doll instead of caring for the doll and, and the suggestion the implication there is that girls somehow could not have an imaginative life outside of the consumer products they could buy yes and and there's also this way that barbie in a lot of visual art in the 80s and 90s and a lot of feminist art Barbie and tearing apart Barbie dolls and taking the heads off of Barbie dolls and like all of this kind of stuff when little girls play with them as well, but also yeah. in terms of this conversation that angry feminists would have years later about how they played as girls and as children. Um, why is it that Barbies are also an avatar of this thing that has to be ripped apart, manipulated, played with the sort of um, way that feminist art dealt with real 1950s ideas of femininity because they were such constructions and performances that feminist art throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, riot girls are all about like tearing those ideas apart, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things that you and I figured out was that the thing that made Barbie different, the appeal to girls, it, it wasn't that she was pretty or had these ideals of like unrealistic ideals of beauty or accomplishment. It's that Barbie dolls were dolls that were grown women that we were allowed to have. Mm -hmm. Like we got to play with them as a blank slate of imaginative life of being an adult woman of what yeah. we think that's gonna be what is involved and all of that is informed by all the bullshit of patriarchy absolutely and everything going on around you there's because, no question because you're absorbing that from very early you're not yes. just like I'm playing in this innocent Barbie land and then misogyny is the thing that pulls me into the real world right you're right. absorbing those contradictions and problems from the beginning, from very yes, early. Of course. And, and so I do think that's kind of a shortcoming of the movie is that it just accepts that idea that Barbie is this fantasy of perfection as opposed to Barbie is this blank slate onto which you do what you need to work out. Yes. You project onto her or through her your ideas of what you as a child think it will mean to be an adult woman. And nowhere is that clearer than in the fact that all Barbies hump each other. And that was something that I thought was really <laughs> profoundly missing in this movie. Like where are like 15 naked Barbies in a corner? Like where the, where's the weird shit? That, that was one of the glaring uh, shortcomings of the film early on because there's the scene where Ken wants to stay over with Barbie and she's like overnight and she's like why what would we do and I was like uh-uh uh-uh no 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 because 
I don't, when I was seven, I knew what they were going to do. Like, I didn't really know, but they didn't have genitals anyway. Right. But they were going to smash against each other. Like, yes. Humping was going to happen. Yes. I never even really had a Ken doll. That's where the movie's very realistic because it's like, fuck Ken. Like, why would you want a Ken? Um, But because I never had a Ken, if my Barbies were going to date a man, it was going to be the Purple Pie Man. Yeah, from Strawberry Shortcake, because he's about as tall as a Barbie. <laughs> but ultimately, it led to uh, lesbianism. Yeah, Because if you have 12 Barbies and no Ken, and they don't really want to fuck the Purple Pie Man, you know, they'll go on a date with him, but they're going to fuck each other. Yes. Yeah, my Barbies were all by. Yes. Like, so, so okay, why is Ken mad at Barbie? Why doesn't he get mad at, like, the cor- corporate overlords who produce him and try to push him into this world in which he is not wanted. Because Ken's not sophisticated enough to okay, recognize okay, that. Okay, fine, but, fine. But, but my point being less about Ken and more just about the ways that my childhood ideas of sex and, and romance and dating and all of those things were very much acted out with my Barbie. Oh, yeah. And even if... We didn't have a Ken or Barbie didn't give a shit about Ken. Those things were still happening. Yes. And the movie totally elides that. Absolutely. It just does not go there. And it's a shame because, oh, there's like the barest hints. She has no interest in Ken. She's just not interested in Ken. You're like, that's interesting that she's not interested in Ken at all or any of the Kens. And every night, there's a line, every night is girls' night. And I, was, I wrote that down on my phone. I'm like, mm, every night is girls' night. Yeah, but then I, why don't they wake up in like a pile with their right? hair all over each other? You know, like exactly. they should wake up in a naked pile. like Exactly, with like their tops on and their bottoms off. Yeah, it's of like, course. <laughs> they're Barbies. Uh, yeah, no, it, it didn't go there. And who can say if that's a choice that Greta Gerwig made or if that's like, I could definitely see the studio and Mattel being like, um, no, no, your Barbies are not going to hump <laughs> we in can, this movie. We can talk about patriarchy, but we cannot acknowledge the right. latent sexual interest of children. Right, right. I mean, they definitely go there with the we have no genitals joke. Yes. That's there. But the idea that they would hump anyway, I, they dry hump. Yes. Humping with Barbies is yes. dry humping because they have no genitals. So even if Correct. there's no clothes on, it's still dry. Yeah. Unlike if there's an Indigo Girls song. <laughs> yes. The song they listen to is an Indigo Girls song. I feel like she's she's doing as much as she can to put the hints in there, but it's as far as they'll let her go. Yes. And then Weird Barbie is always in the weird splits. But like right. they should all be in the weird splits all the time. Like Also, another opportunity to talk about queerness was they actually had an appearance from Cochrane Ken. Yes. Do you remember Earring Magic yes. Ken? Yes. Yeah. And they and they put him with Sugar Daddy Ken and yes. like so it's there. Yes. It's there. But you they could have leaned into that and been very clear of like Earring Magic Ken is gay. Well, like, but it's not just gay. that. It's that even if they can't talk about sex, they could have done it by just having having the girl's imaginative reality be wilder, even if they never explicitly covered sex. 
that mm. there's stuff going on there in the way that girls are putting shit together. Right, right. There's is, like that points to a potential for a wilder utopia. Like that's the whole thing. Barbie like, world is dream houses and you know ambulances and all the toys yes. you being played with the way you're supposed to play with. Them. Yes, that's what Barbie world is, and they they really. I mean, it probably would have been a different movie, but they really could have explored that idea of the ways in which. Barbie coming out of the box might have her ideas of who she's supposed to be and what that's she's supposed it. to do. But the girl playing with her has her own ideas. And that's why I really enjoyed so many people uh, bringing up Superstar, the Karen Carpenter movie, which was Todd Haynes's first movie, which was like the Samizat, like you can now find it online, but for years you couldn't, where Todd Haynes, who would later go on to direct the extraordinary movies like Safe, but his first film was he told the story of the musician Karen Carpenter using Barbies. And so it was like banned. It's like genius. (laughs) And I feel like, yeah, that's like, go back and watch fucking Todd Haynes' Superstar. Like Karen Carpenter's Superstar. Like, go watch that. That's that's my Barbie movie. (laughs) And it's only like 20 minutes long. And he's like all about Karen Carpenter's anorexia that led to her like dying when she was like 28. Like, yeah, go watch that. I mean, that's the Karen Carpenter story. But hey, man, told with Barbies. Yeah, um, I I do feel like what we're seeing, I think, in this movie and in our reaction to it is this tension between Barbie as a corporate product, Mm. a brand and what Mattel wants this brand to represent to people. Yes. Versus the way that Barbie is played with and what she actually represents, what she actually means to children and girls, really. Yes. What they want her to represent is like empowerment. She's a CEO. She, you know, she's a doctor. This is great for girls. Like, no little girls care if. Barbie's a CEO. You care about the outfit she's wearing. She has a CEO outfit, so I can yes. send her to an office where she can then get involved in all kinds of soap operatic interpersonal Absolutely. conflicts Absolutely. with other people in the office. But it's, it's the same plot regardless of the situation, regardless of the context we're putting her in. But this tension between that, that, that what Mattel is selling you and what the movie is telling you that Barbie is and is selling versus what she actually is, which is this blank slate sort of avatar of my adult self as I see it. Yes. They're they're not totally disconnected because the accessories, the houses, the items, the clothes that we are given the opportunity to buy yeah, that melds with like, what does it mean when you're a little girl trying to be, you play dress up, you want to wear your mom's clothes, right? Yes, yes. Your idea of adult womanhood is so tied up in clothing and makeup and jewelry. Well, because you don't know what else it means. And those are the things that like, I already see it in my daughter. And and I was telling you the story how like, the little inserts 
that come in sports bras and and bathing suit tops. Like I just got a new bathing suit top and I pulled out, I hate those inserts. I pulled them out and threw them away. And my daughter like found them in the trash can and took them out and like put them in her shirt because they're like, what is the difference between me and a grown-up? Right. Boobs. I will have boobs. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, okay, that's a physical thing uh, that's separate from, like, I will wear high heels. When I'm a grown-up, I will wear high heels. A lot of these sort of superficial trappings of womanhood, femininity, under patriarchy are the ideas that we have of what it will be to be a woman. And the Barbie doll and the Barbie brand play into that in like that's what they're selling. Buy buy more accessories, buy more clothes for your Barbie doll. So ultimately, it's presenting an idea of adult womanhood that is womanhood as a product, as a commodity, something to be acquired through First of all, superficial, like, yes. yeah, yeah, okay, she has a fucking Nobel Prize. But what you care about is the dress. Right. What I remember of my Barbies is my favorite outfits for them and the fucking, those two things. Um, shopping and fucking, it's back to Judith Kranz. Oh, my God, it's back to shopping and fucking, holy shit. It's so true. So true. Shopping and fucking, who says we grow out of it? Barbie is a Judith Krantz character. Barbie is a Judith Krantz character. And so Barbie, ultimately, I saw the things that that Gerwig was doing and I totally, I totally cried. She got me. But at the end of the day, I left like, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't go with it. I hear that, but I felt differently. I felt like at the end of the day, she's giving you this liberal feminist, corporate feminist kind of uh, comfortable version of feminism. But Barbie, at the end of the movie, chooses the real world because the Barbie doll cannot be feminist. But, okay, so what you're saying is the Barbie doll cannot be feminist, but Barbie, once she chooses adulthood in the real world, can be feminist. It's an option to her. But in Barbie land, feminism, real feminism, is not even an option. Because ultimately, it is presenting adult womanhood as a product to be purchased. Ultimately, when all is said and done, the failure of Barbie land and the failure of Barbie as a character in the movie and of all the Barbies is that they think they've solved patriarchy. They think that they have brought equality upon the world by selling girls a doll. And the movie's like, that's bullshit. And you cannot achieve liberation or justice that way. And if you really want that, you're going to have to step into the real world and fight for it. Or just accept things the way they are. But don't delude yourself any further into thinking that a corporate product can be feminist. I really think the movie is saying that if you're open to that message. I mean, obviously, I'm open to that message. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't, think, I don't think the movie is saying that. 
All right, listeners, what do you think? What did we miss? What did we not get right? Well, I mean, we have two different takes, but we could both be wrong. Maybe there's a third take. You know, maybe Ben Shapiro made a good point or two. <laughs> Was it sexist? Was it man-hating? Was it know. misandrous? No, I didn't think it was man-hating enough, frankly. I know. I was really hoping for more man-hatred. I mean, I thought, like, the making fun of Ken and their final battle scene was, like, really beautiful. Yes. Um, but I thought they still could have been harder on the men uh, and the male characters and uh, and given them less and cared for them less, frankly. But <laughs> listeners... <laughs> What do you think? Come join us on our Discord channel. Join our Patreon, patreon.com slash sauce podcast so you can come and share your thoughts with us about Barbie and all of these things. You can also email us. We are saucepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on most of the socials is at saucepodcast. You can also reach me at Maya Garantz. Anywhere you are looking for my garances. And you can find me as at Gynostar on all the various platforms. And uh, we're going to be getting to the Supreme Court next week, my friends. Yes, we have many good things we've already said and more that we're going to say after that. Oh so God. you've got to hear that shit. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll be back again shortly with more ruining stuff. Adios, amibas. Adios, amibas.